Amen. I'm excited to bring the Word of God to you this morning. It is a wonderful privilege of mine to preach God's Word. It is always a privilege and an honor to be able to stand behind this pulpit and bring the God's Word to us this morning. Amen. All right, so if you have your Bible, Psalms chapter 84 is where we'll be reading today. Psalms 84. Amen. I believe God would want to speak to you and I this morning. Give us some fresh revelation and some encouragement today. Psalms 84 is a, one of the most uh, interesting psalms. It's one of my favorite psalms as I was growing up in the Bible. Uh, you've got different psalms, like Psalms 23 is the most famous psalm. It's the, it's the book of songs. This is, God's, this is God's best hits of songs when it comes to uh, songwriting. So Psalms 23 was the most famous psalm. You've got Psalms 51, which is the repentance chapter. You know, whenever you feel like you've failed God, whenever you feel like you've made some mistakes, turn to Psalms 51 because it is a psalm that begins to remind you of how God is able to show His grace and begin to repent. So Psalms 91 is also the psalm of protection. So we got all these psalms. And so Psalms 84 is known as the pearl of psalms because it speaks directly to the year of pilgrimage, right? that the Hebrews were required to make this journey to the temple of Jerusalem. There were seven feasts where they would be required to attend and all their families, they would take their families. And sometimes this journey to the city of Jerusalem would take around uh, two to three days. And so David, as he writes this psalm, he's speaking about these people who would make their journey to the, the, to the temple. And so Psalms 84, if you're there, say amen. All right, let's read it. It goes like this. How lovely is your tabernacle. Tabernacle is the place of worship. O Lord of hosts, my soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. I mean, you can hear David, his love for the house of the Lord. He wants to be in church. Amen. He says, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Verse 3, even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. I mean, here is where he's going into the detail. The sparrow, the birds have found a home, a swallow a nest for herself. And David is saying, my home is in this place where at the altar, you're my God, my King. And David gets this revelation right here at the altar. And then verse 4, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Verse 5, blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Baca. Baca is translated weeping. As they pass through the valley of weeping, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord of God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Verse 9, O God, behold our shield and look upon the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better. Everyone say better. better. Amen. It's better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts 
in you. I want to preach a message this morning entitled, There's No Place Like Home. There's no place like God's house. Can you say amen? There's no place like home when you come into His presence, when you come into God's house and you come into His presence and sometimes there's things upon your life, things upon your mind. And when you come into God's house, things begin to change because of God's presence in His house. And so David writes this psalm, and this is a psalm talking about how people would travel, make its way down to the Jerusalem, to the temple. And David is writing down, and I want you to catch this because this was actually one of the most exciting times in Hebrew life. In Bible times, going from your house to uh, the city of God to Jerusalem was one of the most exciting things you could do in your life. It was going to the house of the Lord. You were going down with your family on the same road. And on that road you would pass, go down through the towns and the villages. And then all of a sudden more families would come and join you. And this was a festive time. This was a celebration. They would sing songs. They would go down and they were excited. We're going to the house of the Lord. They were excited to get to the presence of the Lord. They would go down and all of a sudden the families would join. The journey would get bigger and bigger. They would live in tents as they journey along the way. And this became their way of life. This was the Hebrew life. This was a celebration. Going to Jerusalem. Going to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It was a happy time. This was a joyful time for the Hebrew people. And that's why David loved it. And he, in fact, that's why he wrote and said, I was glad when they said to me, let's go up to the house of the Lord. He was excited. He was thrilled. He was like, man, I can't wait to get to the house of the Lord. And they were so excited. They would sing songs. This was a big deal for them to go to the house of God. Because they understood, man, there's no place like home. There's no place like being in God's house. But not only was the journey to Jerusalem a festive time, going to Jerusalem meant you got to travel uphill to Jerusalem. There was a time and road where you have to, man, climb some mountains. And how many times is it true? That's like life where sometimes it's happy. Sometimes you're like, man, this is good. This is great. You see the brothers and sisters joining with you, coming to church, going to the Lord. But then as soon as you see some mountains, hello? Some difficulties that you face and it's like, oh man, gets in your way and it's a struggle to get to church. How many know what I'm talking about? You're fighting with your wife. Oh, I mean, you're fighting with your brothers and sisters and then just to get into the house of the Lord. It's like, man, finally, we made it. Hallelujah. (laughs) It's a journey. Can you say amen? Sometimes you'll go through some mountains. Sometimes you'll go through the valleys to just to get to the house of the Lord. But there's no place like home. Amen. There's no place like God's presence that says, Hey, uh, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know the problems that you're facing. I got to get in His presence. I got to get to the house of the Lord. That's why coming to church is so critical. Because the people of Israel, the Hebrew people, this was their family time. This was their memories that were being made, passed on from generation to generation. And it's such a big deal for them because I'm telling you today, listen, money won't buy you a stable family. Listen, money won't buy you, you know what, a a joyful life. It won't give you a strong marriage. Life is built from the word of God and life is built with your conviction on coming to the house of the Lord. Amen. 
Now, Kanye West, he wrote a song. He produced a song, Closed on Sunday. My kids love that song. And I explained to them the song, the reason why it says Chick-fil-A is because Chick-fil-A is this, uh, this chicken chain restaurant and it's owned by a Christian owner. And the Christian owner said, listen, we're not going to open on Sundays. We're closed on Sundays. And so what ended up happening, he started, he was getting on the news. Everyone was saying, man, you could make more money. Listen, you could do all these things with you. And he was like, no, 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 I'm honoring the Lord because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And Sundays is for Jesus. Closed on Sundays. And so church is important. Can you say amen? And so in our text, the Bible, the chapter, the actual title of the chapter is actually says uh, the, the sons of Korah. If you look at it yourself, Psalms 84, blessedness of the dwelling in the house of God. To the chief musician on an instrument of Gath, a psalm, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Korah, I mean, if you study this family, Korah, they rebelled against Moses. God opened up the earth and swallowed them up. And then seven generations later, Korah's sons become musicians. They become songwriters. And so from generation to generation, Korah's was, the, the family line were not allowed to come into the presence, were not allowed to come to the house of God. But yet, seven generations later, Psalms 84, the title of it says, it's a psalm of the sons of Korah saying, listen, it was a generation that they were like, man, we can't go up. And so now this gratitude, this gratefulness of this family, like, man, oh, now we long to be in his presence. Now we long, my soul faints for the courts of the Lord. After all these years, all these generations of not going into God's house, he's saying, listen, this is the heart behind us. When we go to God's house, number one, if you're taking note, Church is a lovely place. Can you say amen? amen? There's no place like home. Psalms 84 says, how lovely is your tabernacle. You see, church is where God's people want to be. Church is where God's people want to be in His presence to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. This is where God's people come. And I want you to listen to the heart behind what David is writing. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart, my flesh cry out for the living God. This is the spirit. This is the spirit. This is the heart of a true believer that says, man, I long to be in the house of God. I long to be in his presence. I'm not just coming to church because I have to. I'm coming because I long to be in his presence. And I'm not just going to come to church because it's part of my culture and that's just what we do. No, my soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. Hallelujah. There's no place like home. Church is a spiritual home for God's children. There's no place like home. Hallelujah. Number two, if you're taking note, church is where the lost can be found. Verse three, even the sparrow has found a home. And the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young, even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. This is where David got a revelation of his king. It was at the altar. This is where David got a revelation of who God is, was at the altar. And David is saying, man, even the birds found a home. Even they found a home. But guess what? I found my home in God's presence in the altar. And I got a revelation when I got saved at the altar. And it was at the altar where they would kill an animal 
This would become the atonement where God would cover the sins of God's people. And David understood it was at the altar where his sins were covered. And I'm telling you, you know what? It's at the altar in a church where God begins to convert us, where God begins to cleanse us. When we come to a place of an altar where we repent of our sins through tears and weeping, when we come to an altar to say, God, I'm a sinner. God, I'm filthy. How could you ever love someone like me? God, I'm a failure. I've done some mistakes. Oh, but at the altar, we we can cry out to God and say, God, forgive me. It was at the altar where David understood his sins were covered. And it was at the altar where you and I can find Christ, where you and I can find his grace, where we can repent from our sins and turn to Jesus. Amen. First John 2 verse 2, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins. Not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Church is a place where the lost can be found. And David got a revelation at the altar that his sins can be forgiven. And I'm telling you, that's why when we have church, we're going to give altar calls. Every Potter's House church you walk to at the end of the service, they always give an altar call because God knows our hearts. God knows we need a Savior. God knows that we need more than just happy juice. Preach, amen. God knows we need to be saved. Amen. Altar call after the sermon where everyone can have the opportunity to accept Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. And I'm, I mean, I hear it all the time. I've even made the statement myself. Church just wants your money. You've heard people say to you, you've had family members say to you, man, church just wants your money. But they're wrong. Hallelujah. You know what? Church don't want your money. Church is a place where the lost can be found. The broken can be restored. Amen. Whether people can come in with all their baggage and say, God, I'm laying it down at the altar. So I lay down my burdens at the cross. It's at the altar where the church is open to every nationality where every race, every culture, young and old, can come and hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Amen. They can hear the message of hope that Jesus can save us, that he can change us, and more importantly, transform us. And listen, you can come to church and you can sing the songs. You can come to church and say hi to some people, high five them and say, oh, great. And you can leave the same way you came in. Where God hasn't even saved you. God hasn't even touched you because your heart is so hard towards Him. But I want to ask you the question, where will you spend eternity today? Is it heaven or is it hell? You can come to church and not know Jesus Himself. You can come to church and Jesus doesn't even have no clue who you are. Matthew 7 verse 21. Not everyone says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. I mean, you think about these words. This is Jesus speaking. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I mean, this is sobering. We can come to church. We can wear a nice suit, put on a nice tie. And when all is said and done, we stand before God and Jesus says, I never knew you. Oh, I know Jesus. Yeah, oh man, yeah, I know. I grew up in church. Oh, yeah. And many people live like this. They go to church on Sunday, but their lifestyle still remains the same. 
And Jesus says, man, this is the place. The church should be the place where the lost can be found, where the altars can be filled with the lost and the broken, where they can come and find Jesus for themselves. Jesus came to save that which is lost. And it starts when we decide to be born again. John 3 verse 3, Jesus says, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. Going to McDonald's doesn't make you a cheeseburger. <laughs> Amen. You know, you can go to all these places. I'm telling you, it won't change you. But when you come to this understanding, man, I need to be born again. I need to come to a holy Savior where He can wash me, where He can transform me. That's why we give altar calls in our church. Because God wants to save people. Luke, verse, uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 10. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus told a parable, the story about the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. It's a story about a dad with two sons. The younger son runs away, begins to ask the father for the inheritance, takes the money, goes, and he begins to spend it all on, on wild living, prostitutes, everything. He spends it all. And then the Bible tells us he comes to himself. He realizes where he's at. He's like, man, I'm eating from the pigs. I'm eating like the pigs. He's, I'm sure there's room enough for me, even placed as a hired servant. And he goes back. He realizes, man, I'm homesick. There's no place like the father's house. There's no place like home. And he begins to put up something in his mind. What can I say to my dad? What can I say? He goes back and the dad sees the son coming and the father runs to the son falls on his neck kisses him brings out the car they have a massive party and i want you to listen to the end latter part of this chapter luke 15 verse 32 the father speaks it was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found Amen. A lot of us here this morning were lost. A lot of us here this morning were dead but now alive because of Jesus Christ. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved the wretch like me. Church is a place where the message of hope is preached. Church is a place where people can come in and get saved to be delivered from addictions filled with His Spirit right here at the altar in service. So we could leave empowered, purpose-filled lives that bring glory to Jesus Christ. Amen. We like sheep have gone astray. We've all been lost. We've all gone our own way. But thank God that we can come to a church, hear a gospel message being preached and save our souls from the pits of hell. And now the church has now gone more than just being a building. The church has now become you and I. We are the church. The called out ones, Ecclesia, the gathering of those that are summoned. We come together because now we are the church. Amen. Number three, church is filled with loud praise. Amen. Church is where the lost can be found. Number three, church is filled with 
loud praise. I'm telling you this morning, when you come to our church, it's not going to be quiet. <laughs> when you come, there's not going to be some quiet little singing here and there. Kumbaya, my Lord. No, 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 no. We're going to be clapping our hands, stomping our feet. Why? Because of the fact that Jesus is in the building. He's done so much for me. He's done so much for my family. And that's why we got to praise. Amen. There's a reason why. Listen, there's a reason why Pauline praises the way Pauline praises. Because she's come out of darkness. There's a reason why Melody prays and worships Jesus the way she praises and worships Jesus. Because God has brought her out from darkness. There's a reason why Kavika dances and claps his hands. Because he understands he's come out of darkness. There's a reason why Gary begins to clap his hands at the back. Because he's been delivered from alcohol, from drugs, addiction. And so he's able to give God praise. Listen to this morning. 1 Peter 2 verse 9. You are a chosen generation. Generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him. Come on. Who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Can I preach today? Many of us were in darkness, but God had called us out from there and into his marvelous light. That we were once bound in addiction. We were once bound with pornography. Oh, but thank God that he called us out. There's a reason why Hemi serves the way he serves because God has brought him out of darkness. There's a reason why he praises and shouts the way he does because God had brought him from a, a place of homosexuality. That is the God we serve. Come on, that's why church ain't got to be boring. Church ain't got to be dull and quiet because church is filled with people who know where they come from out of darkness into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. That's why David says, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Woo! It doesn't matter. They might go through life and difficulties and mountains and valleys. Oh, blessed are those who dwell in the house. Because they will still be praising him. Jesus, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Jehovah Nisi, my victory. Jehovah Shalom, the Prince of Peace. He is my God. He is my King. And that's why David says at the altar, He is my King. He is my God. And therefore I will praise him while I can. Every breath that's within me, I will give praise. Oh, yes, the devil used to have every breath within me and I'd speak foul language. Oh, the devil used to take a hold of me. I used to go out to the clubs and sing for the girls and, and the weekend. But oh, when God filled me with his spirit, I want to sing and shout and give God the praise. To give God the glory, to share the gospel message of Jesus. Because the air that I breathe is not my own now. It belongs to Jesus because I'm bought with the price. And he's brought me out of darkness into his marvelous light to proclaim the praises of him. Hallelujah. This is the heart of a true believer. That's why we love to come to church and clap our hands and sing and dance. Because he's brought us out of darkness. Woo. God is a God of restoring. God is the God who is able to revive the things that are broken. God is the God who is able to give peace when there is no peace in a world filled with chaos, in a world that's filled rife with a sexual addiction. The church is a place that remains holy where all can come in and now begin to be made right with the maker. And we can come in and praise God. Blessed is the man, he goes on, whose strength is in you, whose heart 
is set on pilgrimage. Pilgrimage is the one that's like, you know what, man, I'm traveling. I'm on my journey. I want to get to the house of the Lord. I want to get to heaven. This is a journey. Blessed is the man whose heart is set on the things of the Lord to journey on despite difficulty. Because the following verse in verse 6 says, as they pass through the valley of Baca. Oh, come on. Baca means weeping. As they pass through the valley of weeping, many of us here today have gone through some difficult, difficult moments in our lives. Some of you have experienced grief like no other, losing of a loved one. Moving countries to come over here to start a new life. A season of weeping. Ecclesiastes talks about there is a season that comes. A season of weeping. And I'm telling you the Bible is so clear. As they pass through the valley of weeping. You you weren't meant to stay at the valley of weeping. You were meant to just pass on through. Come on somebody. You weren't meant to put your tent down and say I'm going to live here now. Listen you're not meant to live in depression. Come on, you got to get your tent. Unbuckle the things that hold your tent down and say, listen, I'm going to set my heart on on the privilege that it is to go and serve the Lord. I'm going to set my heart on pilgrimage to go to the house of the Lord. I'm not going to stay where I am. I'm going to try and get into his presence. And church is filled with people who have been through the valley of weeping. And as they come before God in Zion, in his presence, God begins to do something like no other. He turns the valley of weeping into worship. That's why we praise the way we do. Because God has brought us out of a valley of weeping. And it's through praise. When we begin to lift up our voice, praise releases power the devil will try and get you to silence your praise the devil will try and put things in your way to say you're not good enough to to condemn you but listen you gotta get to the house of the lord get to an altar repent of your sins so that way you can be free and worship like everyone else here in the building that says man i'm unashamed i'm totally set free church is filled with people who have gone through a valley of weeping are there any survivors here this morning Amen. People in this building who survive things because we now understand that God is faithful, that God is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not only the God of my yesterdays. He's not only the God of my future. He's the God of my today. He's not only the God of the mountains. He's also the God of the valley of weeping. And he wants you to move from the valley of weeping where he can turn it into a spring. Amen. Loud praise and loud prayer. O Lord God of hosts, verse 8, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. O God, behold our shield and look upon the face of your anointed. Loud praise, loud prayer, loud preaching. Amen. Look upon the face of your anointed. And I'm not talking about loud as in volume in preaching, but spiritual volume when it comes to the word of God. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 4. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. No, no, no. But in the demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Amen. I stand here to testify, man. I failed high school. 
I failed all of school. I wagged school so many times. And so I stand behind this pulpit, not preaching anything persuasive that I've learned in school. I stand here as a high school failure. I stand here through many school detentions, but now through Christ's redemption. I stand here today, you know what, say, God, you brought me out. And you, you, you're calling me out from darkness into his marvelous light. And I'm telling you, this is why we're young preachers here in the building. Because God desires to use young people. Doesn't matter how young you are. Doesn't matter how old you are. God can use and he actually uses young David who was just a young shepherd's boy to kill the giant. He uses Timothy, a young pastor, to be able to now propagate the gospel from Paul. God uses young people. And you're here tonight and you think, could God ever use me? Yes, he can. Yes, he can. By the power of God, not by anything you could ever do. And when you come to church and you hear loud praise, there's a reason why. And you hear them pray. God said, this house should be a house of prayer. Loud prayer and then it says loud preaching by the volume. It's by the power of God. This is where church is that we can experience the true power of God's spirit. And then David closes it off in verse 10. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. I'd rather be in his presence than a thousand elsewhere. Just one day in his court. I was telling Hemi. I was like, man, Hemi, you know what? One moment at an altar could change our lives for all eternity. One moment at an altar where God begins to deal with a young man, an older woman, and say, you know what? Forgive the brother. Forgive the sister. One moment at the altar. It's better than just coming how many times to church, how many times to church, how many times. Because when we come to the altar, when we come to church, we will realize, God, I need your power. God, I need your spirit to change me. And so David says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you you know what this is why we have church so you know what because it's a lovely place it's not only a lovely place but it's a place where the lost can be found it's a place where you hear loud praise loud uh, prayer and loud preaching and it's a place where you know what a place where we can come and worship him but let me tell you this the devil would want to attack such a church as this that when a church desires to lift up God, when a church and the people as individuals decide to say, man, God, you're my God. I'm going to exalt you. I'm going to praise you the rest of my day. My heart's set upon pilgrimage to travel, to go throughout my life, to live for him. You know what? Blessed is the man who trusts in you. Listen, when you put your trust in Jesus, the devil will try his best to come against you. But let not the gates of hell. Amen. Jesus says, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. The church have got to rise up in spiritual warfare. The church has got to get its own spiritual backbone and say, listen, I'm going to say no to the world. I'm going to follow Jesus. Amen. I'm not going to uh, be half, half, half in the world and half, you know, no, no, no. Stop wasting your time. Don't be lukewarm. Go full on for Jesus and say, God, I'm going to surrender my life. I'm going to give my life for you because I'm telling you, the rewards far outweigh you trying to be lukewarm. That you decide to give your life to Jesus, God begins to give you purpose and hope when you surrender your life. And it all starts in a local church.
Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. There's no place like home. Hallelujah. Church is a refuge. You might think, oh, what a burden it is. You come to church every single week. Sunday, Sunday night. When, oh my goodness, when am I going to have a chance to rest? <laughs> but for someone who recognizes, man, you know what? This is not for you. This is for people who come in who are just completely ruined by life. They're completely ruined by uh, their whole life. Someone has ruined it. And they come to church. This is their refuge. And you're here today to encourage the believers. Let us not forsake the gathering, Hebrews 10.25 says. Let us not forsake. That's why we come to church. If you're sick, come to church so we can pray for you. Get healed. God wants to do His work in the church. I want to give an invitation. Maybe you're here this morning and you heard the preaching where it's like, man, that, that spoke to me. Does Jesus even know me? Well, Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. My friend, my brother, my sister, where will you spend eternity if you were to die? Because the Bible says it's appointed for man to die once and then comes judgment. Where will you spend eternity, my brother, my sister? And where will you, when you pass from this life to another life, where will you spend eternity? Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. He loves you. His mercy is reaching out to you right now. God loves you. He wants to heal your brokenness. He wants to give you a peace. He wants to give you a joy. The world can't give it. The world can't take it away. This is the peace of God. But it only starts when you decide to surrender your heart to Jesus and you repent. Repentance means a turning of mind, a change of mind. It starts when you decide to repent and say, you know what? I want to give my life to Jesus. And it's only then and there where God gives you a supernatural peace. The Bible talks about the assurance. His spirit bears witness with my spirit. And I'm telling you, you can have the assurance of eternal life. But you're here this morning. You know your heart's not right with the Lord. You know, man, Jesus doesn't know me if I was to die today. Won't you raise your hand and say, yes, that's me. Could you pray for me? Lift up your hand with mine and say, could you pray for me? I'm not saved. I, I, Jesus doesn't know me. I feel like, man, if I was to die today, I, I know he'd say these words. Say, man, God bless you. I see that hand. Anyone else want to join this honest heart? Say, yep, that's me. I'm not saved. I'm not right with the Lord. God wants to save your soul. This is just between you and God today. This is between you and Jesus Christ.